third wheel. Third wheel. Welcome to the third wheel. With me, me, and you. Where are you staying up here? Um, so Auckland they Writers Festival is putting us up in Sky City Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I, I mean, like, that's nice. Boo Sky City, but yeah, yeah, it'll be nice. Yeah, yeah. it'll be nice it'll be for nice, sure. Yeah, nice yeah. It better be considering how much money Sky City has. It is yeah. dumb. I just like, I have a deep hate for Sky City. There is, I have no, I have no time for the May. Yeah. Like, the fact that our city's symbol is just like a giant casino phallus, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> not into it and they don't yeah i've had a few people who have worked for sky city and like mm. the conditions were awful sure. the pay is terrible yeah. um can you tell us when we're actually like recording though oh, it's, it's recording. oh it is yeah. oh okay delightful oh yeah the whole yarn about very tricky um yeah. They now have recorded evidence yeah. that I hate Sky City, which is fine. <laughs> no, no Sky City sponsorship for the podcast anymore. Damn. I mean, like, let's not completely rule it out. We like money. No, no, no. Don't sell out. Don't sell out to the man. Um, okay, so you're staying in Sky City. And how long are you up for? Up till Sunday. Sunday. Leave on Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what events are you doing at Auckland Writers Festival? All right, so tomorrow um, there's the Ockham Book Awards. Okay. Which I am up for best first book of poetry. What? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's, let's roll it back. Um, what, what's your book called? My book is called I Am a Human Being. Incredible. Um, it came out last year. It was published by an Auckland publisher, Compound Press. Okay, yep. Um, I've been working on it for like 10 years or something. Incredible. Um, and yeah, it's doing pretty well. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's tomorrow night? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also in, I'm doing a reading. I don't really fully understand it there's going to be a typographer there as well and they're going to be making like a print of one of my poems during the reading <laughs> whoa yeah that's wacky and cool so that'll be cool that's on friday night um yeah. somewhere on k road nice. <laughs> so yeah. if, <laughs> if people are wandering along maybe nice. they'll find it yeah um yeah that's all that i'm in um but cool I'll go to stuff as well i guess great awesome yeah um so we're here on the couches with jackson and caro from food court box from wellington um what's the tereo name for newtown omororo omororo yeah mm, yeah i'm sort of trying to use Māori place names nice. more and more. Yeah. Um, found that don't know the place names for like Auckland suburbs mm. as much. Quite hard to find out. I looked it up. And really? It, yeah. It gave. I found a map which told me place names um, 
uh, like Maori place names mm-hmm. for the places that we usually use the Maori place names mm. already, like but Titirangi and sure. stuff like that. Yeah. But like not not the others. The others, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, um, this is very useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've um, I've been starting to sometimes use the Maori place names when like posting things, but uh-huh. I'm always a little bit worried, like. It's not going to get there. Which you know? is outrageous. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Almost like negligence in the past part of New Zealand Post. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always gotten there so far, so mm. maybe they are actually very good at it. Mm. But. Um, so uh, you drove up from, okay, I'm going to do my best, Kirikiridoa, Hamilton? Yes. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> um. Today. Today. What were you up to in Hamilton? Just visiting my grandma. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. She's, yeah. Her, she's got her birthday party this weekend. Um, <laughs> it's probably going to be her last birthday party. So, got to take those chances to yeah. see her. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. No, I guess it made sense when you were driving up from Featherston, Booktown. Yeah. I don't know the today I name for Featherston. Ooh. No. no. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody knows the te reo name for Featherston, please hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> right in. <laughs> um, I know we talked about it a bit downstairs, but can we talk about Featherston Booktown? Because I am fascinated about what what you two were doing there. For sure. Um, I think it's supposed to be an annual, I mean, obviously it didn't happen last year. But an annual event. Um, Featherston is a book town year round, but then they have a festival once a year to celebrate and bring writers from like local writers and also national, like more nationally recognized authors um, to the town. Mm-hmm for a variety of events um, and also booksellers. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we were there. I think the events are mostly concentrated Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. That's when we were there. Mm. Mm -hmm. And were you there as food court books? No, not really. Um, we were there as individual performers, mm-hmm. like that's what we knew about first, and then within the past month or two, um, we are also went up as part of Zine Wellington Zine Fest. Wellington Zine Fest, mm. but we so yeah, Wellington Zine Fest had a hall in Featherston, and we had a stall in that hall as food court books. So, True. yes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. True, okay. Okay, okay. So you were there sort of like as food court books under the umbrella of Wellington yes. Zine Fest yeah. in Featherston Booktown. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's layers to it. It's always layers. Um, how did food court books start? Because I found out about you 
Mm, I'm going to say last year when you opened the location that you have now, mm-hmm. um, I'm, it showed up on, on my feed somehow in social media and I was like, man, I really like the colour of this building. <laughs> Sushi. Now we know. Um, we started as a reading collective back in 2014. What's what's a reading collective? Um, so there were four people, myself and Jackson included, mm. who would put together poetry readings and readings involving other sorts of literature too, um, and mostly for. Um, people who weren't really involved in the regular, like, circuit of, like, Victoria University-sponsored events, older poets, older established writers. Um, We wanted to try to get something um, started that was recognizing younger Writers, new writers, um, people of color, people with disabilities, um, queer queer writers, anyone who we felt wasn't wasn't always just like the center of attention Mm -hmm. in Wellington at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about it for a while and then just started doing these readings um, kind of sporadically, but trying to do them every other month. And, and that lasted um, until we went to the States for a year in 2016. And then we started it back up again when we got back. When we got back. Yeah. And we would do readings like just in kind of a variety of different venues around True. the city. Yeah. Um, and for every reading we put on, we would make a zine as an artifact of the event, which would have work by all of the writers who performed in it. I'm stealing all your ideas. Implementing <laughs> <laughs> them here. This is so inspiring. Cool. Um, <laughs> which was, uh, we had a couple of reasons for doing that too. Where yeah. um, We intentionally did it that way because we wanted younger well, I say younger, but I don't mean necessarily age-wise, but like newer writers like emerging. to have emerging writers mm. to have somewhere to put their work um, that wasn't being like didn't have a gatekeeper. Like we didn't we didn't edit it at all. Yeah, and if um, people said they wanted to read at one of the events, we'd just put them in the next one. Yeah, we tried to be as hands off in terms of. Curation. If people had been coming to us more often, we wouldn't have even chosen the lineup at all. It was just hesitancy and like newer people feeling like they weren't really sure whether it was for them, but it always was, you know, Mm. um, that brought us to say, hey, do you want to be a part of this Mm. rather than just letting people come to us? But so we wanted... Um, we wanted the zine to be able to showcase newer writers so that they could have somewhere in their bio where they could say, I've been printed here, and then also practice um, and just them gaining confidence reading and having somewhere 
to read. Um, but the zine itself then was free at the event and people could take it away. And then instead of thinking back and thinking, I don't really remember the name of that person. I can't find their work anywhere. They have somewhere physical where they're saying, okay, like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know, Nina Poles or Tay Tibble before they had their own books. Mm. They were in food courts. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, people could look and see those names and get familiarized with them before their books even come out, you For know. Sure. Yeah, and then how did it go from that <laughs> to being a bookshop? <laughs> right. So that's coming back around. Um, I'd always wanted to open a bookshop, and by always I mean like, it had been like a serious ambition of mine for at least five years. Um, how, where can we afford it? What would it be like? Um, Jackson was totally on board. And we knew we wanted to have a zine, like space for zines in the bookshop. Um, and we had that sort of food court brand is the the closest word I guess but like that 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 people already knew about food court mm. um so we had that name we could associate with it um and then it could become a place where readings like food court readings um happen happen uh, just a space where they can always happen rather than having to, you know, search for a new place mm. every couple of months. For a long time, there was a place called 17 Tory Street, um, which became 19 Tory Street. <laughs> I think that's the order it went in. I think so, yeah. Um, was a, um... Which was part of Urban Dream Brokerage. Um, I don't know what that is. Urban Dream Brokerage is like, taking rental spaces that are empty and letting creative people, letting use, creative them. people use them for cheap um, until they thing? open I, in Wellington. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so 17 and then 19 Tory was the address. And, yeah. and that was that served a very similar purpose to what we're doing, where it was just like an open venue where people could go. Because um, something that not enough people know about, I think, is that places like bookstores charge so much money for events like launches, book launches, and and poetry readings that it's just absolutely unaffordable yeah. for a lot of smaller presses yeah. and not accessible at all to something like food court individuals yeah. where... Yeah. You don't have a big budget, or you don't have Creative New Zealand backing you necessarily. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to have those spaces, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just community spaces. Yeah. For sure. So um, 17 slash 19 Tory Street, around what time was that? Um, I guess. It lasted a while, but it was definitely already popping off when I got here in mm. 2013. 2013. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, Must have lasted till at least what? At least twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yes, around say. then probably. Yeah. It was great. Um, it started off as 17 Torrey Street, but then the place next door was also labelled as 17 Torrey Street. So oh. there was a big um, kerfuffle about... <laughs> what is the real address? What the real address <laughs> is. They had to change their name to 19 Torrey Scandal. Street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, they didn't actually move. No. Yeah, it was <laughs> just the name and the street. <laughs> Um, cool. So you were in those kinds of spaces mm-hmm. month to month. Yeah. And then at what point did that dream of owning a bookstore and having your own space mm-hmm. um, become what is now book, the bookstore? In yeah. Omaha? So last year we were working on a much bigger idea of starting a writer's centre oh, oh. <laughs> in um, Atara, um where there'd be like office space for various like literary organisations and then a little bookstore and like a space for events and like workshops and everything. Mm. And it was going to be amazing. And we had a lot of people who were like on board with the idea, but we didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd still love to do it. So if anyone listening has a lot of money, <laughs> um, yeah. hit us up. Yeah. Um, but while we were like looking at locations where it could be and stuff, um, a friend of ours knew that we were searching and they were like, what about this place? And it was way too small to be a writer's center. Yeah. But it was so cheap that the two of us could afford to rent it on our own. And so we were like, well, we could just do the bookstore part of it and then see where we go from there, kind of. Yeah. And so we did. And you say that was last year. Yeah. When last year? (laughs) Well, so the shop opened November November of last year. Yeah. So that was probably like when what month? Well, it would have been after, like between the two elevated levels yeah. is when we were really talking seriously about a writer center. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and then so what August or so is when we were really Serious about that stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then... Came together pretty quickly from there. Yeah. That's yeah. cute. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess we had been thinking about that so seriously that we had a plan for a bookshop. Mm. And then we just took that portion of it out mm. and focused and it on... When the opportunity came. The yeah. shop. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean... I don't know, from a more technical point of view, we thought if we're going to be sending, you know, applications for grants and things like that, the more, the more we, the more knowledge we have going in, the more we can say we've done this and it was successful Mm. or we did this, didn't work, but we think we could do this instead. Like we thought at least if we have the knowledge and we have like, you know, 
stuff we can show them yeah. that we've done already yeah. in this sphere. And also show them a demand for those kind of spaces, yeah, exactly. I guess. Yeah. yeah. We were so lucky, like so lucky, because we decided to do a boosted campaign for it. Mm. Um, and we had no idea what the what the result would be. Like we were thinking that we probably wouldn't reach the goal. But, like, at what point do we put in some of our own funds so that you still get the <laughs> money? Because yeah. with Boosted, they don't, you know, it's, like, all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had, like, plans for that. Like, what do you do? And we reached the goal in five days. Incredible. When we yeah. had, like, a That's month amazing. to do it. And then we also... And then we by the end, we, yeah. yeah, we set and met the stretch goal. Which is to open our own press start oh, yeah. as well and start publishing um, full length collections rather than just scenes. Incredible. And mm. we've been working on that. Mm. There will be yeah. um, some pretty pretty good. We've got some updates stuff in the works. Soon. Ah, <laughs> right. so exciting. That is very exciting. Yeah. But I guess the success of that booster campaign is really what, as you were saying, like it's proof that there is need and demand and like people willing to support and get behind. Yeah. And not only like was it amazing for us in terms of funding us opening the shop, it was really great in that it was like like almost its own form of marketing. Like Mm. everyone got way behind it and really excited and then, wanted to come into the shop, like, yeah. because of that and stuff. I felt part of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Invested in it, like, literally. And then, <laughs> and, 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 and also just, like, so much support from the community of Newtown, too. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. I've, I've never been in a town, like, an area like that before where it feels like, yeah. like... What are some shout-outs? Let's give some shout-outs to people in the Newtown community. Who, who's, who's been supporting you? Who's, who's some people well, who are lovely? I mean, honestly, like 50% of the people co- who come into the shop are like, oh, I just live around the corner. Oh, and we're well, like, how are there so many yeah. <laughs> people oh, around yeah. the corner? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but who have we had support from in Newtown? Just rent like you have names. Names. If you if you have any, know, um, Linda and Henry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout they, out Linda and Henry. Yeah. Linda, Linda was our first customer ever. <gasps> yep. She um, bought um. How, how to, to be, be old. old by Rachel McAlpine. <laughs> by Rachel McAlpine, yeah. and then sat and read it in a park, and came back and gave us feedback. <gasps> Same day. Wow. Yeah. And she comes in all the time because she loves Dora. Oh. She, she brings treats in to give to Dora. Yeah. Oh, Dora Dora's a greyhound, yes? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she and also comes in with her grandson. Grandson who's five years old named Henry. Yeah. Oh. And Henry's obsessed with Dora and will like climb into Dora's bed with her oh. yeah. and give her treats. And oh. so mm-hmm. excited. We've met like her whole family by now. That's so cute. And that's like that's the vibe. That's, that's the, the vibe. Newtown community. Like yeah. Local, um, who is it across the road? Um, the, um, the... Abe? Well, true, Abe, but also... There's um, a a woodworking 
shop yeah. across the road and the owners always pop in, buy a secondhand book or two. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple other shops right by us, Wiki Goods and um, what's the name of the flower shop? I don't know the name of it, but it's mm. run by Jeannie. Jeannie, yeah. yeah. She like lends us vases for flowers and stuff. Um, oh, and then the other um the other bookshops. The other bookshops in Newtown. It's like a it's it's more of a team vibe mm-hmm. than any sort of rivalry than Yeah, the people kind of from develops um, like um the people from Bookhaven are always like saying, "Oh, if you need to borrow any chairs or plastic cups for one of your events, we've got plenty." And like, come f- in and check on us. Yeah, our friend Annalise, who runs um, Bookhound, mm. um, like we see her walking past every day, and like just have a wave or a quick catch up sometimes. Yeah. That's so adorable. Yeah. That's so cute. It's great. <laughs> um, so sort of leaning on this idea of community, I'm curious um, how you find the people that you're interesting, interested in sort of supporting and I'm going to use the word incubating in, <laughs> <laughs> in their creativity because that that was sort of like the – the crux of food court by the sounds mm-hmm. of it, this this idea of Absolutely. helping yeah. emerging writers yeah. um how how do you find them mm. i mean i think at the beginning um we did we have leaned on um spaces like the IIMO at Victoria University Mm -hmm. um, for writers who are just starting out and didn't have books out yet. For sure. I think we've branched out since then um, because a lot of those writers, which is great, get get the opportunity to go on and publish with Victoria University Press. Yeah. Um... And while it's valuable for them to get practice reading, um, they do have more resources through the university um, than some other groups, I think. Um, But nowadays, I don't know, I look at different um, literary magazines that are out now, we like, steal people from Starling. We steal a lot. lot of people from Starling. Shout out Starling. <laughs> we love it. Um, but also, and Francis Cook is like a Newtonian, like born and bred. Yeah, his whole so, his family's been in Newtown for generations. Yeah. He did a speech for us at our open at our launch, like mm-hmm. at our like opening event. Yeah, um, to like welcome us to the neighborhood. He's one of the oh, one of the editors of Starling. Very sweet. Um, yeah. Also, um, I don't know. Like, word of mouth, partly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of the last readings we organized, um, we had um, Kadro Muhammad reading, who mm. I work with at the library. Mm. Uh, it was her first ever poetry reading. It was amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, I think 
being within the literary community in Wellington, we just kind of meet a lot of people mm. and um, like to give give people their shot, kind mm. of. Yeah. But that's rad. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool. I found that, um, I don't know, uh, and people who listen to this podcast will realize that I say this a lot, but like Wellington, I, I find arts communities in Wellington are so close-knit. For sure. Um, and it's so, I'm going to say easy to like, meet new people and yep. like make those connections Definitely, and stuff like yeah. that because because of that sort of yeah tight knit well yeah it's just like a partly a geographic thing right like auckland is sprawling explosive yeah. exploded <laughs> yeah um, i tried moving to auckland once and i fucking oh. did not last very long oh when was that uh, 2000 and Nine. I guess a more interesting question is what phase of your life was that in? <laughs> um, I was one year out of high school mm. and I was moving up to Auckland to train with the breakers Ooh. and go to uni. Mm -hmm. And the person I moved up with after like a month left and went back to Wellington mm. and I didn't really know anyone. Mm. Um, got super depressed. Yeah. 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 I mean, I had a really similar experience <laughs> moving to Auckland initially because, mm. um, I'm, I mean, I'm technically from Auckland now because where I grew up is now part of Auckland because <laughs> we're explosive. Um, <laughs> but, um, at the time, like I, I had to move, there was no way I could commute. I had mm. to, had to move out of home, move into yeah. Auckland and uh, a lot of, my mates didn't move to Auckland. For sure. And so, yeah, it was just so hard to break into any kind of mm -hmm. community because mm. everybody was sort of sp spread out and then siloed. Yeah. So um, I totally empathise with that experience. For sure. Um, but I assume you moved back to Wellington after that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And... I have no plans of moving back to Auckland yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, like, spaces like Poynton, we're trying mm. really hard to oh. make. <laughs> Seems super cool <laughs> from what I've seen yeah. so far. Yeah. <laughs> but we're trying, we're, we're trying to do that kind of thing where we're trying to make uh, um, uh, that the arts community a little bit more accessible for sure um and make growing connections between artists a little bit easier mm -hmm. so people feel like you know you don't you don't need to like break into the scene yep. you know yeah because um, it should be something you have to break into no <laughs> exactly yeah yeah um yeah so that's kind of what we're trying to do, and it sounds awesome. like pretty in line with what absolutely, you're to do with yeah, as well. definitely. <laughs> um, I'm curious how you two know each other. Then tell the do, story. Do you want to tell it? Sure. Um, well, because what you were saying about like what we're doing down in Wellington, I wanted to say 
I don't know how much credit. It's not like we invented the idea <laughs> because we were both part of an online community Ooh. that felt quite similar to me mm. to what you're just talking about, where instead of it being like exclusive groups, um, it was a very inclusive mm. um, writing community. Yeah. What was the online group called? Um, well, I guess, like, we didn't really have a name at first, yeah. but then it started being called Alt-Lit. Okay. Um, yeah. so I think that's the most well-known. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. think term for it, um, it's kind of fizzled out now. I mean, everyone still exists in the world and are writing, <laughs> but... Like the really tight knit community aspect of it mm. fizzled out, um, and that was online. So was it still Wellington based, or was it like oh no, international? Oh, no. international. Wow. Uh, I I was based in Washington D.C., Baltimore, okay um, area. That's where I'm from. Yeah. I grew up in like rural. Maryland's, yeah, which is where Baltimore is in the United States, mm-hmm. and a large part of the community was based in the states, but there was definitely a New Zealand contingent. Oh yeah, there um, were the people from Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. and well, like, you guys had your own like zine, our own, and everything. our own blog. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, there were people from the UK and Europe and mm-hmm. South America as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we were it just felt very new and exciting at the time. Hang out online all day and do G chats, and um, before the days of Zoom, Tiny we'd chats. be on this thing called Tiny Chat, which is essentially the same, the same thing. Same thing, basically. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was very exciting at the time. Doing like broadcasting poetry readings and stuff. This was the mm. early 2010s. Yeah, but that's it's interesting that you know that you mentioned that because I think um, you know I, I I feel that in the poetry community um, definitely had to lean on that again when COVID hit, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, like, we don't want to stop reading poetry. Yeah, <laughs> How can we sure. do this online? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's in, it sounds yeah. like we've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I think part of the reason I became part of that community at that time was because I didn't feel like I was part of a community, like a physical community in Wellington. Um, mm. I couldn't like break into the, the writing scene or mm. whatever. Um, yeah. At that point with Wellington, I guess a lot of the spaces for young and emerging writers would have been more in terms of slam poetry. Yeah, I guess that was kind of around and when slam yeah. poetry was getting big. Well, because yeah. you were doing some of it, but it yeah. never really was like... Yeah, I was entering slams, but I wasn't really reading slam poems. And so... Contentious thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we have friends who would be like... 
Hey, what's that mean? There's no such thing as a yeah. slam poem, but there yeah. was definitely a vibe, it, but you I know? Will, yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. I understand what you mean, where there's sometimes um, within, a, within a slamming community, there's a style that emerges. For sure. And when you read poetry that's not of that style, you feel like you're not reading the right type of poetry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which is silly and ridiculous because, like, any kind of, my yeah. opinion, any type of poem can... Be read it a slam, but Absolutely. I definitely know what you mean. Yeah. 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 And you feel and then I you think, feel like an outsider. Hmm. I think there's less of that that yeah, divide now. now I for think sure. so. Yeah. I don't know how or why that happened. But I I mean I, I definitely know why it's happening like, in Auckland, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know well, I know why it's breaking down in Auckland because there's a lot of really hard work going into it from people like Ken Arka and Kerry Rudzinski who like mm. are trying to open that space That's up great. and be like any kind of poem any kind of person can read. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess Ben Fagan and Sarah Hirsch, or Sarah Hirsch. are doing a similar thing in Wellington. Mm. And um Jordan Hamill. Jordan Hamill, mm. yeah. In Wellington doing that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back to the online community. So yeah. this is how you met. Yes. Online. We, yeah, we did. Ah. Became Facebook friends. Oh, as one does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we would often be in these group video chats together um, with a bunch of other people. And then... On our friend Anasi's... Channel. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually we would kind of just start like staying there, the two of us, until everyone else had logged off and we'd just still be talking. <laughs> it was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like some, like our friends would come in and be like, why are you already on this channel? <laughs> just the two of you. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We'd been there for hours. Yeah, and then eventually you came and visited Wellington. Mm -hmm. um, and it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed with Jackson and hung out with a bunch of the people from the group who lived in in New Zealand. Got to meet a bunch of Kiwis and yeah. travel around in the area. Yeah, and then I visited you a couple of times over the course of the next year, and then you moved. I did. I was doing an MFA in the States at the time. Yeah. Um, and when that ended, I moved over here. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. What, was, what were some of the factors where you were like, that's it, I'm moving? Um, I mean... Jackson, yeah. the people here. Um, you had been wanting to I, move overseas somewhere anyway, right? I've been planning to move away from from home um, after the MFA anyway. And this just seemed like the right place. Mm. Having visited here, seeing the creative spaces and the opportunities and the generosity even at that time before things like food court mm. just seemed so much more open for for like 
spaces that were open for creatives and mm. available to creatives um, and even like through the government and like yeah. through the city that like those spaces were not as create like not as easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, are you talking or like even, Creative New Zealand? I'm talking Creative New Zealand, but I'm even just talking like things like like graffiti art, like in Wellington, looking around and seeing these amazing murals, which in in where I grew up. You'd never really see, Mm. like, an acceptance of that Mm. in the city. It would have been much more of a clash Mm. and, like, not accepting, um, like, just a difference of opinion about how to view things like visual arts and creative spaces um, as part of the community and part of something that's, like, positively influencing non-create or not that anyone's not a, like non-creative the people public. but the general yeah like mm-hmm. how can how can creativity and the general public exist in the same space in positive mm-hmm. ways whereas it felt more separate um or harder to create those spaces in washington mm-hmm. dc mm-hmm. um and both being this this the capital cities of that nation it's kind of like just a really interesting difference Mm. there where it did feel like you really had to break in in order to find communities Mm. of creative writers and creative types in washington dc um and once you did it was really great but it just seemed so much more open and inviting here Mm. um and just a lot of different appealing things, like, I mean, even just down to things like having the ocean as close as it is. <laughs> such a luxury. Yes, such a, but also luxury, but also in having grown up here, essential. Yeah. I can't, I lived in Switzerland for two years uh-huh. and like sometimes the rivers would fool me with the sound, but then I'd be like, wait, no, it's not waves. Yeah. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have the ocean mm. nearby. So yes, what a luxury, but also Yeah. It's essential. Because <laughs> I grew up along the coast of the States, but and then like a half an hour away from the Chesapeake Bay. Mm. And my family um has a sailboat. So I spent every summer on the water, but mm. you had to go. Like you had to go to get there. Mm. You weren't just like always there, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting what you were saying in terms of um, the idea of art or creative creativity and the general populace and the sort of connection between those two, because that brings the conversation back to that idea of accessibility. Mm. Um, what do you reckon are some of the things that um, make creativity or being able to 
express yourself creativity, create creatively? What are some of the barriers, do you reckon, at the moment, things that make it least accessible? Um, because we were talking, one thing that we were talking about was like gatekeepers, mm. like who are the gatekeepers? <laughs> <laughs> what, what and who are the gatekeepers? Well, like in some ways, like I guess mm. there's less, it's easier to avoid the gatekeepers than it ever has been before with like online. Hard out. And um, like, because like writing is obviously at this point very accessible. You just need like, a pen and paper or a phone. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and a, a level of literacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is not everyone has that, but it's a lot better than it has been in the past. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, getting your work heard, like, it, and now it's very easy just to post work online, but I guess now the issue is, because everyone can post work online. Like, yeah. Mm. Why, how do you get people to um, look at yours? Mm. And yeah, I think um, that like creates the necessity to like build like spaces for work, I guess. Like mm. in the past, like these like literary journals and websites and stuff that have like gatekeepers in terms of editorial vision and things. But mm -hmm. if we can create like community spaces where anyone is welcome to share their work, um, mm. but also people know that that's a space to go to find um, mm. interesting or new work, mm. that's the kind of thing that I think we're striving towards and like I guess bringing like creative opportunities to people where they are instead of making them come to you like mm. um, you know going out into communities and doing work mm. with those people mm. um, yeah what does that look like going out into communities and doing work with those people I mean it means like organizations like Zinefest or just groups like us as food court maybe going to schools and doing workshops or like you know um, neighborhood community centers or mm -hmm. um, you know having a stall at like markets and stuff yeah, um, yeah and just talking to people but that's I also think. an incredible amount of Time work. and work <laughs> yes, with you as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think like even us like having our space now in Newtown, like so many people from that community are coming in and a lot of them are like, Oh, what's all this about then? Mm. Like and sometimes it's weird, like they ask oh, can we look at the books? And we're like, yes, it's a bookshop. <laughs> um, but like also talking to people about all the different small publishers that are working in New Zealand and exposing people to what zines are and stuff. Mm. Um, because there's not a lot of places where stores or just spaces where you go, at least in Wellington, where you 
see zines really yeah. it's mostly just like you go to zine fest once a year and like that's where zines happen yeah but it shouldn't be like that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's actually surprised me because i only made my zines at the beginning of this year and i'd never really i mean apart from a couple of silly little zines that i that i made for my partner because it was his birthday um <laughs> um I, 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 yeah, I'd never really made zines before, but like I'd always known what zines were. But mm. then when I tell someone, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm making a zine. A surprising number of people, like my age and younger, had no yeah. idea what zines yeah. were. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? Like it's. Maybe we should address what zines are in case people don't know, you know, yeah. a bit late in the piece. But how would you how how would you describe a zine? Um, also, zine or zine? Zine. zine. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Thank you. We've set it in stone. It's zine, not yes. zine. Thank you. Yeah. I have total core from two I, people. I would normally define a zine as a as a small, normally handmade publication. Mm. Um, they are often made either with just one sheet of paper folded or just a, a few sheets folded and stapled mm. um, very often like just printed um, from a photocopier or something not perfect bound or anything mm. um, and it can be anything really like you mm. can put anything in a zine mm. um, but that's what we're talking about <laughs> when yeah. we say yeah. a zine yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just uh a medium for people to share their creativity, I guess. Exactly, yeah. 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 And such, I think, coming back to that idea of accessibility, such an accessible way of Absolutely. doing it and taking it out of the online space into yes. something physical that can be mm-hmm. that can be looked it's, at. Yeah, um, it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something we were talking about downstairs was mm. um, Wellington Zine Fest, with mm-hmm. which you both have involvement. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. a really weird sentence. <laughs> um, that they are trialing um, a $5 cap on um, zines being sold or just wares being sold at the win- winter market. Winter market. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. I say they. Should I? I mean, yeah, let's say they because it's not, it's not just, just us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very much not just no, you all <laughs> are trialing. Um, could you explain the rationale behind that? Do you want to? Kara, if you um, <laughs> Yeah, sure. I, I think it starts from this idea that um, zines began in sort of an anarchist space. Um in the 1980s, at least, in Wellington. And that's when the first, like, Wellington Zine Fests were happening here. Um, And obviously, at that point, spread of information that wasn't elsewhere. Yes. Um, Whether that's music, Mm. politics veganism, whatever, Mm. like, 
it was an easy and cheap way to spread that sort of knowledge mm. before the internet, before, yeah, yeah. before other modes um, mm. of distribution. Mm. And getting not necessarily back to those roots specifically in terms of content, but in terms of uh, accessibility and price point, both for the makers and for the buyers. Mm. Um, it's like now there are some beautiful zines mm. that are priced a lot higher because of the design costs going in mm. um, and other things that are being sold alongside the zines, you know, almost like merch, mm. like zine merch. Mm. Like you have a zine about, our friend Rachel has a zine about socks <laughs> and then she also makes earrings and mm. badges and this and that. Yeah. That have socks on them and yeah. then sells them at the zine, you know, markets. Mm. Yeah, and um, that's that's something that we want to celebrate. Great, but we, also yeah. can be something that is quite daunting to new new zine makers. Mm -hmm. um, to some people coming in that don't have the ability to shell out for, you know, $20 zines and still do, like, a lap around 60 different stalls yeah. and be able to support more than just a handful of people. Yeah. Um, and just bringing it back to the idea that there isn't really a, a bad zine and there's no reason to feel like you are you know, not worthy of making a zine or your work isn't as valuable and as important um, as someone else's just because what you're looking at being able to do is just printing up, you know, 20 handwritten zines, photocopying them, you know, and and stapling them yeah. in your in your room yeah. whereas other people have access to these you know fancy printers and yeah, yeah. are like hand stitching yeah. the binding and doing yeah. all this stuff adding french flaps and mm. making them look really fancy fancy yeah. or beautiful yeah. and um this sort of brings it down to what can you create for under five dollars yeah. where you're not the idea is not to um like make the creator lose on like uh, it's not like mm. oh you should be selling your very beautiful expensive exactly. zine for five dollars it's like yeah we don't want to bring the value down <laughs> it's like, um it's just sort of a reminder that zines can be made without all those yeah. extras yeah icing on yeah. Top. yeah yeah and it yeah. shouldn't be something that feels like exclusive yeah 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 i i think that i think that makes like perfect sense um as someone 
who kind of just started making zines. Nice. Um, and also, like, very much on the side. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing a full-time master's right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, when me and um, my friend Chris Kogawa, a.k.a. Biscetti, from Hawke's Bay went to Pami mm-hmm. to to sell our zines, we were really like, <gasps> like, we don't have any merch. Are we allowed to be here? <laughs> and like, of course, and it was fun and it was great mm. anyway, but there was that sort of moment of like, oh, have we done enough? Yeah. Right. So having that sort of um, $5 cap is almost like telling everyone like, you know what? It's enough, it's enough. you know? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. 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 So I think that's cool. And obviously um, you're uh, – Wellington Zinefest is also trialing this, right? Yeah. So it's not like only $5 yeah. forever. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it would never even be like every zine market would yeah. be that. It's like sometimes maybe, yeah. you know. Well, it yeah. wouldn't be the main one. Yeah. It would be ones like the winter – Zine market. Zine market. Yeah. 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 And when is the winter zine market? Do you remember off by heart? Or on your phone, no. maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where it is while Jackson looks that up? <laughs> um yes. It's at the architecture school that's part of Victoria University. Hundred and thirty three Vivian Street. Oh yeah. Um and it's on Saturday, July 17th. Saturday, July 17th at yeah. the architecture school. Yeah. It's the architecture school, that really wacky one with the grass patch at the front. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> cool. I unfortunately will not be able to make it both because I didn't sign up fast enough <laughs> and also because I can't afford flights down to Wellington right now. <laughs> yeah. But I will be down at Tauranga Zine Fest, which I think exciting. is the week after. Awesome. Yeah, cool. which is exciting. You're going to all the zine fests. Oh, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. I was like, look, if I'm going to make zines, yeah. let's... Let's get them out there nice. and do the thing, yeah. you know? Like, every year we're like, this year we're going to go to everyone. <laughs> Haven't done happened. it yet. <laughs> <laughs> the dream is still alive. Yeah. I also missed the Whanganui one mm-hmm. um, because the sign-up was like at the end of last year. Yeah. So, mm. but eh, maybe next year. We'll yeah. see. Um, big pivot. <laughs> we usually end on haiku. Ah, yes. Have you written yeah, haiku? We did, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine. You can move the mic. Okay, Caro. Yeah. All right. I got an interesting um, Instagram comment today from someone who I don't really know who they are. Yeah. Um, but they've been following my Instagram and liking my posts, and I wrote a thing about how I write haiku at. Mm-hmm. Same fests. Cool. And they were like, I love haiku. And I'm like, thank you, person. I don't know. Who <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, right. we had um, a man come into food court books um, specifically looking for books of haiku by New Zealanders. Ooh. Um, for a friend of his who writes a lot of haiku. So, do, do, your niche. So, yeah, you have to put out a book. 
That'd be great. Maybe I could get together some Auckland poets. We could do an Auckland poet haiku book. That would yeah. be so cool. Yeah. We could just do an anthology of all the haiku that's been on the podcast. Oh. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you two are inspiring me so much today. It's outrageous. I'm going to quit my masters and just do all the things. <laughs> all right, who'd like to go first today? You okay. would like to. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Apparently I would like to. Thank you. Okay. Caro's so determined. If she determined not to be determined, boom. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. <laughs> That's great. And so I w- we're supposed to write them about each other, right? Yes. So this is yeah. about Jackson. Okay. Voice puts me to sleep. <laughs> Pansy tattooed on your ass. I'll murder for you. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> they were both beautiful, and they're definitely going in the anthology. <laughs> <laughs> The gatekeeper has let us in. <laughs> You've broken into <laughs> the <laughs> audience. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Have you got anything to plug? Um, when does up? this go up? This goes up this Friday. So if people listen in time, <laughs> <laughs> they could come to your thing on Friday. There's one thing on Friday? It is. Yeah. Um, let me pull up the details while Caro tells people to visit Food Court Books. 84 Constable Street in Newtown. Bright green building. Can't miss it. I'll, yeah. upload, I'll upload a photo of it with, yeah. with the post because it is gorgeous. I love it. Green's my favorite color. So it's just like, oh, it's beckoning. It's on my list of things to do when I went down to Wellington. Visit Food Court. Talking. It's called Sushi Green by Razine. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I don't associate it with cool. sushi, but or like maybe like food wasabi. court sushi. Ooh, awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, this Friday at 6 50 p.m. at the Warren on K Road. The Warren. Okay. Yeah. Streetwise is oh, yeah. the name of the thing. Yep. I will be reading a poem from my book and there will be someone making exclusive limited edition prints of that poem. If you come, you can get one. It'll be worth a lot of money one day. Incredible. So poetry reading and... Get a exclusive print at the Warren on Friday night. Yeah. Anything else to plug? You were talking about that you might have some books coming out from your press. Is that something that you're still working on, or? They're definitely coming. Keep your eyes. We don't peeled. have a date. No, yet. that's end of the year. Just follow our social media. Yeah. Food Watch court books. We'll talk about it. <laughs> we do yeah. have a couple of readings happening in the shop. True. Oh, yeah. Um, in the next month or so, 
for our Wellington listeners. Yeah. Or people who like or, to travel. Yeah, yeah. Or people who are going to Wellington yeah. in the next few months. We'll be selling books at Sam Ducker Jones's book launch on June 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a really cool reading happening in our shop. <laughs> to clarify, Jackson is looking at his phone, not just talking in a really staccato manner. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the Kia Mao Festival. Um, it's a reading of um, all writers who are, have Migrant backgrounds. Oh, incredible. Chris Tease, Vanessa Krofsky, Emma Shee, Nuza Salem, Ariz Kakti, and Ariana Che Ismail. It is on Kadro Mohammed and Ronia Ibrahim. 12th of June, 6.30pm. 6.30pm. That is a lineup and a half. It's incredible. Really beautiful. Wow. It's going to be fun. As Kadra yeah. said, if you're not there, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're not at Food Court Books at any time, where are you? <laughs> where are we right now? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Point in Studios. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. It was so lovely. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs>